welcome everybody to episode 108 of Rain Delay Radio, a baseball podcast. My name is Lewis, and today Pat and Ethan are going to sit down and talk over the Baseball America Top 100 Prospect list. But before we get to that, Nime is here with me today, and we are going to talk about the news of the week. Nime, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm about to leave the country for a month, so I'm uh, hard at work packing, but I wanted to take out some time to to talk on the show because I don't know if I'm going to be on for the next month, so I wanted to you know, be on this last one at least. Right, right. So first of all, I feel like it's been a while since we've been on together. Because I, I, so, yeah. I feel like, generally speaking, like I think we we, we, we were available... a couple weeks ago with Kevin uh, because it was like a yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. But uh, but just no the one, two no of us else. has been a while for sure. Yeah, because usually it's like if I can do it, there's usually someone else, and you like step back or like if you're available, I'm like, oh, all right, I'm gonna play with my kids a little longer right. Sunday night. Great. Um, and also a lot of but, the time, uh, a lot of the time, what happens is that uh, like it's just like you're not available. I'm like, cool, I'm around, or it's like, hey man, I've been on a bunch, or or like I will be on the segment and you'll be the hosting right. the, the, the exactly. intro like a like like the uh christmas one <laughs> yeah right like i, I we, we've been doing that quite a bit but yeah it's, it's yeah. nice nice to be back and uh yeah. talking with you got some nice to commiserate about accidentally saying the wrong name of the podcast at the uh at the end That's of the show right. every single week <laughs> getting to uh talk a little bit of cricket beforehand because none That's of true. the other none of the other hosts uh would, would do that with me I, you're you're planning on possibly going to a game here i'm i'm, uh, I'm going to i'm going to try i'm going to try in uh, in yeah near, middle of february the uh, the pakistan super league kicks off so i'm going to try to make it to uh, one of the two matches before i leave so before we get into the news of, of the week, uh, I, we, we were talking and I was mentioning to Naim like, hey, that I'd love to someday make it to like a cricket game in Pakistan or India, somewhere where like fans are just off the hook excited about cricket. That just sounds like a fun thing. It's on my bucket list, like going to the Australian Open because of the major tennis tournaments. Uh, the Australian Open seems like the the fans have the most fun, and I don't, I'm not that big of a tennis fan, but it, it's fun to turn the games on. And Naim was actually mentioning he's been following a bit here too. Yeah, not like a lot, but like you know, occasionally things will pop up on our Twitter or a TikTok. You know, if you like sports, people other you follow people who like sports, and they talk right. about sports that you don't necessarily follow. Um, there was a you know we talked a little bit about you and I about the uh, the Andy Murray was uh, very upset with officiating not like he's like look i get it i get that the rules are the rules but this rule is bs that i can't go you can't go the ball kids can't go to the bathroom for hours at a time you're not allowed to go to the bathroom like what are we talking about here you know like if you're not if you're not in the middle of a like i get in the middle of a match but if you're not in the middle of a match let the dude go off to the bathroom right. you know right. I, feel, um, I feel like baseball players are spoiled in the fact that they can probably like just duck out between innings and and, right. and just use use the bath i don't know if umps have that uh but i'm sure if if they if they really had to go, the the other umps would cover for them. Yeah, and there's the time between innings, and there's the seventh right. inning stretch, and there's like you know you you've got you've got built in breaks that you can you can be like, hey, I gotta you know go right. for like two minutes, I'll be right back, you know, um, uh, you know if 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 you really gotta like uh, drop a deuce, <laughs> that that, uh, that might be a little bit more difficult. But uh, you know if you gotta take a leak, <laughs> it's a minute or two, it's, you know. Uh... It's I, I do have a, a few friends who played uh, football in in through high school and uh, a couple that made it to college. And uh, they said, yeah, it's uh, people, people uh, pee their pants 
more frequently than than you would expect just because you sometimes bathrooms are so far from the field that that doesn't Uh, happen in baseball but but the the uh, the big uh, officiating thing because you wanted to talk about this because we talk a lot about officiating in the u.s uh uh the player uh, her name is allison risky uh amritaj um, I think she's a uh, uh, American, uh, like uh, Indian American, half uh, mm-hmm. half half American, half uh, uh, India Indian. Um, and uh, uh, essentially, what happened is she uh, is playing doubles tennis uh, at the Australian Open, you know, at the at the uh, highest level, um, and uh, hits the uh, one of the opposing players in the leg with the ball uh and what that means in tennis as far as i can tell i'm not again not a big tennis fan but apparently what that means in tennis is that's a dead ball play is over uh and i don't remember if that means the person who hit them gets the point or if that's just the end you know yeah like you, you, yeah it's you, a the the it, it counts as not returning the ball over the net with the that racket legally. Yeah. So so um, that whoever hit the ball uh, gets it. There's there've been some players who uh, have have weaponized that a little bit, which is well, kind of bad form. But kind of what uh, happened here too. Yeah. Um, uh, spoiler alert. So it hit it hit her. Uh, 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 Allison uh, apologized because it hit her because you know she didn't mean to hit her obviously. Right. But the hit hitting her body bounced over the net and i guess the the official the the line umpire uh didn't see what happened uh exactly uh heard her apologize and gave the other team the point cuz you're not you're also not allowed to talk cuz which which again that i get it's it's kind of like kibitzing in chess like right. it's it's that is you know you you're psyching the opponent out in a way that that is unsportsmanlike totally understand that being a rule uh and she got pretty furious and comes up and is like she's like i you think i don't know that rule you think i wouldn't you think i would say sorry if i didn't hit the woman with like what are you right. ta- what are we talking about here like do, right. do you think i'm an idiot like are you like what, what are we doing here and you know she was she was also a little annoyed because the the opposing player should have called it on herself. Right. You know, like that is, that is the sportsman like thing to do uh, for what it's worth. The umpire did apologize for his incorrect ruling after, but she kind of blow up. She, you know, she, she yelled at him. You can watch this video. Uh, she tweeted uh, about it as well. She is at uh, risky for rewards. That's risk, risk, and then the letter E, the number four rewards. Um, that's a pretty nice. That's a pretty cool name. To, yeah, actually, heard, uh, the name is probably pronounced Risk, not Risky. I'm probably pronouncing <laughs> it wrong. Uh, risk for rewards. Um, uh, and uh, you know, she she tweeted in response to it, but the, it was in response to there's uh, a TikTok video uh, crop that shows you know kind of everything. She goes to the umpire supervisor. Both are like, we we didn't see that happen, and they're like, well, what are we what are we talking about here? <laughs> like, you're. Well, what do you mean you didn't see it? Like that's, that's literally all you're supposed to do is watch the ball. <laughs> like right, what are we right. what are we talking about here? What is happening that you it, didn't see it? What do you mean you didn't see it? <laughs> like and and if it's like not reviewable or something like that, which is also wild. Like it's so it's such a clear you can clearly see what happened anyway. So uh, so and so it's interesting, uh, uh, Lewis. You were saying that we we give players a lot more. Um, rope yeah, here in america i feel like uh, american officials whether it be baseball or you know uh, other sports um officials generally give players a little more more leeway to to argue and like you you always you see these ejection videos and it's like oh that's a weak ejection and like yeah. the player is 
yelling at the ump and like berating them and right. like it can go on for for minutes and then they finally get the hook and it's oh that's a weak ejection it's like well there is like context like and and that's and that's, so that's what's <laughs> kind of fascinating here too is that like so this uh you know the the tiktok video calls it a theatrical blow up uh at doubles um the uh, uh, you know New York Post said blasts. TennisUpToDate.com says throws explosive temper tantrum, which also is kind of tinged with uh, sexism. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like you watch the video and she is very calm. <laughs> like right. she's not. She doesn't raise her voice. She's just like, hey, that's a ridiculous call. I hit her. Do you think I'm stupid? Like what are we talking about here? Like the only reason I talked is because I hit her and I knew the play was dead. I wouldn't have talked about it. No, the play was dead. Like she was very, very calm. You know, she like she had to raise her voice a little bit because the he's up on a high chair. But right. like no more than you would to any other person who is a little bit far away from you compared to you watch these like you know you you watch a baseball ejection and you'll see you know you'll see terry francona get up to the ump's face and like scream in his face and then not get tossed (laughs) (laughs) i i oh man i i just i remember the i can't remember if it's from ken burns baseball or one of the early uh, one of the books on early history, and it it talked about because because you don't really see that in in football as much either that that you know w- without being some major flags being thrown. But I I just remember it being like uh, baseball or football was a rough game played by gentlemen, and baseball was a gentlemanly game played by rough men. Uh, yeah, that's one of those, that's one of those old things. That's, that's, I think that's 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 stolen from uh from the Brits, right? Because that's that's the same thing about soccer and rugby, right? Uh, yeah, is, yeah, is what they rugby, say. Yeah, rug, rugby the, the rugby rough is, is the rough game played, played by, by gentlemen, gentlemen, and and football, as they call it, is the gentleman's game played by ruffians. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, does every culture have that sort of thing? I wonder. Like, is there... I wonder if they do, but I, I, I think it's truly that that the Brits came up with it and we stole it. Well, you know, <laughs> and applied it to our sports. <laughs> we, we stole both sports from them, basically by just yeah. you know changing the rules. So, all right, enough enough about other sports. That's that, that's enough. Well, about welcome other to Rain Delay Radio, a Rounders podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've got uh, a little bit of news here this week to break down the biggest one. And uh, I did I did check with a few people. It's not my homerism to call this the biggest <laughs> story. We, we, we have so little news. We spent the first 10 minutes talking about tennis. <laughs> right, right. It's not my homerism <laughs> calling this the, the biggest story. No, of the this week. is the biggest news story. Yeah. Uh, twins trade for the sec that they, they are the only team to consecutively trade uh, batting champions. They traded Rod Carew after he won the batting title. And uh, the the Twins have traded batting champion Luis Arise to the Marlins for pitcher Pablo Lopez and two prospects, shortstop Jose Salas and outfielder Byron Churio. Uh, there was some confusion because the Marlins have two Churios in their system. Um, and... Nightingale was the one who said it was Byron, and so everyone immediately assumed he got the wrong one because there were <laughs> other people tweeting it was the other one. But no, no, it was in fact Byron uh, that was the one traded. So, um, yeah, this is a trade that uh, the biggest consensus I've seen around knowledgeable Twins fans. I'm going to say knowledgeable Twins fans as a disclaimer uh, is that. 
this is so sad because everyone loves Arise, but also the move makes sense. And so it's annoying because it's like we can't be too upset about it in context. Um, but it is very sad. Uh, Arise was well, well loved uh, among Twins fans. And uh, the less uh, savvy are are a little more upset about it and don't understand that this isn't a salary dump. I, I saw someone saying this what? is a salary dump. <laughs> Come on. Right, right. Not everyone follows yeah. baseball that closely. You, you trade away the batting champ. It's assumed it's a salary dump. I don't know. Um, but well, yeah. I mean, you know, he, yeah, it, it's certainly and it's not like he's making a a crap ton of money. And obviously yeah. they did just spend a a boatload of money, uh, a small boatload, not a, not as big of a boatload as we thought he would <laughs> the that was going to be spent on uh, on Carlos Correa. Right, but it is a little Correa weird reference. Uh, it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was good. It's going to happen. Right. If we're talking about the twins like, you know, to to sign Correa and then immediately trade Arias is interesting. If if both like each move in a vacuum, you understand, but come together, it's a little bit like, oh, okay. Um, you know, and, and Pablo Lopez is a very very good pitcher. Um, but uh, but you know, he's not got a, a a ton of team control. You know, like he's uh he's arb eligible. I think he's got another year. He's got two years of team control, which is about the same as Arias. Arias has uh, one the, more year of team control, and I'm I'm gonna push back a little because it only makes sense uh, having Correa back because having Correa back means that when Royce Lewis gets back from his injury, he's gonna be pushed to third base, uh, which. Jose Miranda was looking to be locking down. And now we've got him who is an excellent bat who we are hoping to have on the roster all year. Well, now he is likely either going to be, you know, platooning with Lewis or, you know, switching up with the DH, but DH, we need Buxton and Correa getting those reps because they want less time on the field. So now Miranda is going to be playing a lot of first base and Polanco's got second base locked up. And we've we've got not that it you know we've got we've got other infielders coming up. So basically, signing Correa means okay, we got our offense back. We've got shortstop lockdown, which the butterfly effect is suddenly arise. Who he he played all over the field for the Twins last year, and he he wasn't playing all over the field because he's an excellent defender who can plug in anywhere. It's that he's an adequate defender at multiple positions like jack of all trades master of none but like passable yeah. of all trades <laughs> yeah like, jack of all trades and uh competent at uh kind of yeah com- competent <laughs> at at all positions so basically he we just needed his bat in the lineup and he was yeah. just kind of getting slotted in because his his bat deserves to be in the lineup um but a first baseman who doesn't have much pop is just not, I don't know. It, it's not a, a big thing. So it, it makes I, I sense. See, I see that. I, I understand that. But, but, you know, for me, it's like, you know, what, what you're, you're, you're making room with a guy who, you know, is very good for two guys who are great prospects and, and have had some success at the major league level already. But, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to be like, yeah, we traded, Luis Luis arrives because we really want Jose Miranda to get those those reps. It's like, well, 
but you know Arias is good and Miranda you you definitely think is good but like he's only a year older than Miranda you know obviously less team control but he's only a year older he is he is I think he's a true talent DH so he's playing most of those games at DH and you know Correa is going to play some of them and like you know you can you can you can work that out a little bit where it's like okay well you give uh Arias a day at first and put Miranda at third and Correa at DH right and and have those sort of slot ins but uh but I think you know truly what you want Arias stuck at is as is DH but I I do understand what you're saying of of you know it does make sense to say hey you know our our pitching rotation was uh was not we, stellar the, last year the real <laughs> the real big value adding you, you know I don't think we can make up all of Arise's um bat value but we'll we'll make up enough of it with everyone else that uh replacing our fifth rotation slot with a broken Chris Archer for three innings and two to three innings of a quad A pitcher with Pablo Lopez is a massive upgrade. Right. Not, yeah, I mean, yes, that, that, yeah, that's for not sure. Not just yeah. for the rotation, but also for the bullpen uh, to, right. to be able to, to do that. Um, and really, when you look at what the Twins rotation looks like at this point, uh, there's no number one. Um, there, there's a debatable number two. Um, but then it's a lot of number threes. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like Lopez, Ryan, and then you know the husk of Sonny Gray and Dylan Bundy. I, like Gray, yeah. I'll say the husk of Bundy. Gray did not look like a husk. He, he's he's legit still. I I think he's gonna yeah, come out the, and have the, a I really mean, good a husk, year. A husk in that he played half a season. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> like I, yeah, I I agree. He still he still has the stuff. It just he needs to you know be on the field. And then um, uh, Kent Amaya is coming back. Who we'll see. We'll we'll see if this means he's going to be a starter, or more likely, uh, now he's going to be able to ramp up in the bullpen and right. and see where he ends up. Um, I mean, he's he's no spring chicken anymore, but uh, he was very good uh, in 2020, and uh, we'll see coming back from the injury. I, I think going back to the bullpen will help him. Being able to, you know, go harder. I mean, that's what the Dodgers used him as um, by the end of most of their seasons. Granted, some of that might have been a little bit of of option manipulation. But hey, that's uh, that's what he he had success with. So we'll see. Um, So so for the twins, this deal made a lot of sense uh, in my mind, uh, despite losing a fan favorite. Pat came in to the chat and the first thing he posted was hey uh how's it feel to fleece the marlins um i don't think this is quite a fleecing because i i feel like arise is value like value wise i think it's a very even trade uh the issue i'm a little concerned about or confused about is why why now like obviously the marlins have a glut of pitching talent and not much offense but to ship off two prospects with it. I don't know. It, it Well, and, it, you know, Jose Salas is an interesting prospect and he's 18 and, and he right. could be, but, but like, a ch- ch- Cheerio is not like on a top list of Marlins prospects, no. right? Like he's, you know, like he's not even a top 30 
top like he's maybe top 50 in the system you know so he's like he's just kind of a throw in and the marlins have a weak system so it's yeah not he's, like he's, top he's, 50 he's a he's a he's a, he's a yeah fun. exactly exactly uh uh where, where but like salas could be interesting so but like otherwise it's just like yeah you know let's toss these guys into you know maybe maybe the twins thought cheerio was interesting uh salas is a legitimate guy in their system and that is you know that it is interesting that they would give him up in addition to giving up Lopez in a trade for, you know, for a guy like, uh, um, like Arias who has similar value, maybe a little bit more value. Um, uh, but is a similar age to the guy they're giving up. Like it doesn't, I, you know, it's interesting that it's not just like a one for one. I would, I would, you know, I, I arguably Arias is more valuable, like just by war <laughs> than Lopez. But like well, he's got an extra know. year of team control as well, um, which uh, is probably why you got the throw. Yeah. Yep. Arias has an extra year of team control. Oh, yes, yes, you're right. You're um, right. Yes. So so that's probably where that comes from. And then also, I mean, uh, I think I don't think the twins wanted to trade Arias. I think. The Marlins came and said, look, we've got extra pitching. We'd love some offense. And the Twins are like, well, you're going to have to throw in something to really sweeten the deal because we've got a bat day coming up in April as a giveaway that uh, went from Luis Arise bat day to just bat day, uh, which I don't know what they're going to do about that. I mean, feels like feels like it'd be a perfect time to call out a Carlos Correa bat day. It's like it really, <laughs> yeah, you slide that right in, you know? Right. <laughs> well, it was. It's a bat day because of the batting title. Uh, oh sure. But, well, it, you know, it can be a hey, Carlos Correa bat day still. You know. It's... You know, it is what it is. I'm sure all the merchandise has already been ordered and shipped. I don't think anyone would be upset about getting uh, a a Luis Arias bat. To be honest, Mo- most people are pretty happy about it. But anyways, yeah. um, the the big thing with going to the Marlins, and I th- this just seems interesting to me, like. I don't want to fault a team for trying to improve. This move improves the Marlins. It improves the Twins. It seems like a very much a win-win trade. I'm just interested in why the Marlins are doing this and throwing in prospects to make deals happen when they're in the same division as the Mets, Braves, and Phillies right now. Yeah, I, I just, mean, they're, they're, they're at best a fourth-place team <laughs> in that division. Like, right. if, they're, if they're really lucky, they're a third-place not-playoff team. <laughs> like, right. if, something, you know, if, if something goes really wrong with the Phillies, which is, you know, possible, or, or one of the other teams, but the other teams, I think, feel a, 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 are a little bit better constructed that if they have one thing go wrong, they're okay. If they have three things go wrong, then it's different. The Phillies feel like they're kind of built on a house of cards. Yeah. Um, The Phillies are the high variance team. Uh, The the Braves and Mets feel like the floor is a solid 90 win season would be a disappointment. But it it does feel like the, the Marlins should be shipping off for prospects and building a system and being like, Hey, maybe in a couple of years when, you know, when the Mets, uh, thing falls apart a little bit because either everybody they give big contracts to is old and retired or old and locked up. Um, and you know the, the Braves obviously are all young and locked up, so they're right. they're kind of stuck there for a while. But it does feel like they should be like, okay, great, let's build for a team that isn't embarrassing now and might be good in three years, which is you know kind of the water they've been treading for the last decade, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, like it, I, you're right. Arias feels like a right now move, and the Marlins don't feel like a right now team. Yeah, 
like if if um I'm trying if one of the NL Central teams made this move with, with that situation, I'd understand it a little more because it it feels like yes, the Cardinals are the favorites right now, but they're not as they're not heavy enough that trying right. to to take the division may, makes a big difference. Um, someone in the AL who who's kind of on the cusp making this deal. I don't feel like the AL playoff spots are quite as locked up, um, but it, it really feels like in the NL, y- you've got your your three division leaders and it'll be some some yeah, or, construct or, or, or of the kind like, of move for like for for a team that is a division leader to make to be like, right, hey, let's yeah, just yeah. score up what we've got going on already, you know, like. But it, it just it doesn't make as much sense for the Marlins, um, but it improves the team. And I don't want to begrudge that. Um, sure. I am confused. It's their defense. They're shifting quite a few pieces around here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so you might remember the Marlins have a second baseman. A, quite a good one. A very good second baseman. Who will arguably no, the best player on their team. No longer be playing second base. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, like Jazz Chisholm came out and said, "Look, if they move me to center field, I'm gonna go win a Gold Glove in center field." And the Marlins are like, "Hey, we're uh, we're gonna move you to center field and play Luis Arias at second base," which feels like a, a you know a, a big downgrade at second base defensively <laughs> for sure. Um, but uh, I mean, I. I certainly believe that Jazz Chisholm could win a gold glove in center field. Like I, I do believe that, um, but it is an interesting, yeah, an interesting move to again, go out and get a second baseman for a team that is not going to win who already has a great second baseman. <laughs> like I, I don't, but Hey, you know, know. Well, well, we, we got some, uh, maybe a little clarity on uh, why they chose second base instead of sticking him at first, because um, well, out outside of, uh, you know, whoever Miami has laying around, it looks like, well, we'll just transition to our little Garrett Cooper, by the way, is what laying around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we really got to leave first base open for Garrett Cooper. <laughs> Right. Uh, the the Marlins are reportedly signing Yuli Gurriel. Uh, the, the details haven't been finalized uh, as of recording. Uh, we're recording Saturday so that uh, Nime can get on here before his flight leaves on Sunday. So yep. uh, if, if if this becomes official, we'll probably have uh, Pat mention it in the next segment, um, which I guess now that we're 20 minutes in, I should give our disclaimer. We're recording Saturday night. And if there's <laughs> any major news that breaks Sunday, Pat's going to bring that up in the next segment. So don't hold your breath for anything too breaking. Um, but yeah, so so that's a, a deal that... Uh, <laughs> By the way, reportedly, like the make- twins are also in on Guriel, which is just very funny if they trade Arias and then sign Guriel. <laughs> that oh. would make no sense. I don't think that. Well, I mean, it would. Guriel would be a platoon bat at that point. He was not worth Maybe, much yeah. last year at, at all. But no, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people are saying he's moving with the Marlins. It doesn't well, sure matter. with the Marlins, but the, a Marlins right. reporter says that he, the Twins are also discussing him. So, like, who who knows? It's right. probably going to be the Marlins, but you know. Hey, if it's the Twins, great. Uh, we've got another person. I guess I'm not going to be happy. But I don't. I'm not Louis about is trying that. to process feelings about Louis about Yuli Gurriel on the Twins right now, live as we listen. So right, yeah. 
Yeah, maybe probably, he's had a good relationship with Correa. I don't know. <laughs> he was he was actually just on the phone with Correa, and a reporter heard he was talking to a twin. Like that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So, um, uh, enough about the Marlins. Uh, we we got a couple of other quick signings here that are are probably worth mentioning. Maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, even last year would be headlining. Yeah, just, just a couple of quick hits. Um, the uh, <laughs> the Mets signed Tommy Pham. It's a quick hit. See, there um, we go. I like it. <laughs> that's that was that was the bit. The Mets, uh, yeah, Mets Tommy Pham for like a year, six million. Uh, uh, legitimately, Jeff Passan put that in his piece. Was <laughs> that uh, that Tommy Pham's biggest hit of the last year was was uh, sm- smacking uh, Jack Peterson in the face, which is just. Like I can't believe that made it into an article, but uh, I feel like it's they, fantastic. I feel like they give him a lot of room to sass off in articles, right? You know like, what? I mean, yeah, w- why not, right? Like, <laughs> you know, players players have a lot more room to talk back. Umpires <laughs> yeah. in American sports reporters have a lot more room to to sass in articles now. Uh, fam probably is like a platoon DH with Daniel Vogelback. Um, you know, sure, man. <laughs> like, yeah. He's fine. I like Tommy Pham, you know, like uh, 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 obviously he's got some of those weird tendencies off the field sometimes. Um, but uh, he, you know, as far as I can tell, tends to be a player who who people like in the clubhouse. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I do like Tommy Pham, but uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, it's it's certainly, you know, for for Mets fans, uh, let you uh, take another drink here. Uh, replacing <laughs> Carlos Correa with Tommy Pham uh, certainly is not what they hoped for, but uh, but uh, he's he's not a bad baseball player. He's a perfectly fine platoon with Daniel Vogelback, uh, who can also play some outfield and and spell you know those guys there as well. Yep, and then the the other. Um... I don't know if I want to call it major. It 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 would have felt a lot more major a couple of years ago. Um, but the, the Royals are signing our oldest Chapman on a one year three million, $3.75 million contract pending physical, of course, which I guess we need to really <laughs> give really, those to that every single time now. Yeah. Uh, yes. So yeah, this, uh, I mean, this feels like a move for, for Chapman to be like, Hey, if I can build some value, I get traded off the Royals. And if I can't build some value, then uh, I retire. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, it and uh, the the biggest the biggest bad news from this for the Twins, uh, and really for all baseball fans, is that this probably means the Royals aren't bringing back Zach Grinky. That's uh, that's the real downside here. <laughs> um, I I forgot I forgot that was one year deal. Well, yeah, I um, does it mean that? This is just because they don't have money. It, it probably means that, that. I don't know. That that three million dollars is is just the the entirety of their budget. <laughs> that they, I've just I've just um, been reading up, and reporters are saying, yeah, it sounds like the Royals made their choice on this one. Um, which I guess it's weird because they're, they're two very different pitchers. They, they are very different. My guess is the difference is Chapman will more likely have decent trade value at the trade deadline than Granky will. Sure, sure. I mean, Granky had a not bad season. Like, he had a pretty solid season last year. You had, I'm sure, had some value. Yeah, but, but the yeah, only people who, the, the only teams that sign that uh, trade for not bad pitchers at the deadline are the Twins, and the Royals aren't going to make an in division trade. So, 
I'm the Cardinals have done it the last couple of years too. Uh, you know, <laughs> two seasons ago, the Cardinals traded for Jay Happ and uh, uh, John Lester. Well, hey, you know <laughs> like, that that, yeah. that in-state rivalry just runs so deep that that's not gonna. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure Granky's gonna go year to year with various teams uh, uh, until his arm falls off. So I'm sure he'll he'll pop up somewhere and then who knows there might still be with the royals right. but uh uh yeah i don't know man chapman <laughs> like sure yep well we'll see all right uh just a couple of other pieces of news here from the week um the diamondbacks have promoted the first female manager at high a ball ronnie gajownik will manage the hillsborough hops uh, if this sounds familiar, it's because last year the first female manager for low A ball uh, was signed. And uh, as I told Nime at the beginning of this, I'm guessing over the next few years, we will have a news story as it progresses slowly higher and higher up the, the minor league ranks. Um, Ronnie played for Team USA on the women's baseball team. Because there was a women's, there's a women's baseball team. It's not all softball, but she played on the women's baseball team, uh, include, including a gold medal at the 2015 Pan Am Games, and uh, also played softball at the University of South Florida. She worked as a hitting and outfield coach at the University of Massachusetts Amherst from 2017 to 2021, and she joined the D-backs org in 2021, originally as a video assistant and then was promoted to a minor league coach in 2022. Um, this was uh, the most interesting, this was a very interesting part of uh, this whole story. Uh, originally, she was intended to work with the rookies as a coach, but uh, during spring training, the AA first base coach broke his foot during batting practice when he got hit by a comebacker, and she got promoted up and uh, obviously did a bang up job uh, and is now uh, going to be the manager for the high A hops. Um, and if you want a brief history of all the women in baseball coming into the 2021 season, way back in episode 56, I uh, broke down that news with Maz because it all broke and she was great to talk about that with. Yeah, um, there's, I think, not really a ton to say beyond uh, what y'all already said in that episode. Very cool. Like you said, I'm sure that's going to happen more and more over the next few years. Just a lot of firsts. I think it's going to be quite a while till it breaks to yes. the major yes, league I level. Um, but uh, but I think, you know, I think AAA is probably only a couple of years away and then it might be another like decade before major leagues. But uh, but it is it is otherwise like it's, it's very cool to to see more women in the sport uh, and and yeah, at, at all levels and, you know, both on the field, uh, in in the booths, all that stuff. It's uh, as cool we spent the first uh, section of this podcast questioning the moves of the first female general manager. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, that is that is true. 
you know, like we're not saying that they're above no, reproach, no. you know, <laughs> a woman can be just as bad at her job <laughs> as a man is. It's fine. That's, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're not sexist enough. Kim Kim is, is allowed to be just as bad at her job as uh, as Nick Crawl is, you or know, as, it's, uh, it's totally as, uh, fine. As Chain Boom is in in Boston getting booed at Winterfest. Kim Bloom is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Kim Bloom's OK at his ah. job, but I understand Boston hates him. <laughs> ah, yeah. So uh, he could be better. I'm sure he could be better. Uh, you know, Nick Crawl, I don't understand. I don't understand what the Reds are doing ever. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, they're the they're the Reds. Uh, it's man, you, you got the Reds and the Pirates in the NL Central there. And like it, the AL Central gets a lot of crap. But like the Tigers tried. The Royals just won a World Series. The Twins try. The Guardians are pretty I, good I, at cycling. I, I understand. I I, do, I don't think you can compare Nick Crawl to Ben right. Charrington. <laughs> like I like I think Charrington's hamstrung by truly having no money uh, and, and no expectations, and Nick Crawl is hamstrung by being <laughs> bad. <laughs> that's my, that's my opinion. <laughs> oh. Uh, although we do, we have we That's have a right. thing about the Reds. Hey, interesting thing hey, about the Reds coming up, though. Uh, we didn't. Well, I'll say we didn't really talk about this last week. Uh, we did. There were a bunch of international signings. That was like last week was when all those broke. We didn't really have anything to say right, about they, them. Most <laughs> so of we them really, are... We meant to at least mention it, but like, what do you, what is there really to say about international uh, signings? The only thing really worth saying is that the uh, Reds signed 17-year-old Dominic Scheffler today. He's the first ever player from Switzerland to sign with an MLB team. So look at that. Yeah. Uh, we can maybe update the map uh, of where MLB players have been born. If he he makes it up in a few years, uh, be, be interesting there. My cousin's actually on vacation in Switzerland right now. He uh, sent me, he was at a international curling bonspiel today in Switzerland. And uh, I am surprised to say I'm quite jealous of him for that and not because he was skiing on the Swiss Alps earlier today. Uh, <laughs> I am much more jealous of being at the, the, the curling tournament. But that's because I don't ski. And I love curling. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Nime, anything we, we missed here going through the news? I don't think there is. I think we managed to uh, squeeze a lot out of, <laughs> out I, of very I little here. I think so, too. So, uh, Naim, thanks for, for joining me. It is good to be back in the booth with you here. Uh, we are going to turn things over to Pat and Ethan to talk about the top 100 prospect list that just dropped. And then after that, I'll probably be back to do a quick outro. So stick around for that. Thanks for listening to Rain Delay Radio. Hello, Rain Delay Radio listeners. It's Patrick here, and I am also joined by uh, our good friend, uh, Ethan. Uh, we're going to be going over the top 100 lists that both Baseball America and Baseball Perspective have put out. Uh, Ethan, how are you doing today, man? Uh, first of all, Pat, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. This is a blast. This is my favorite time of the year. I'm working on my own top 30 list, and Fangraphs is doing the individual team rankings, and now we got the the big writers dropping the the top 100s and their 101s. So this is fantastic. I'm doing great, man. I'm in my element. You, you could not have 
picked a better time or thing for me to be doing with a Sunday night. Yeah, that's awesome. Now you you're doing your top thirty list for the Guardians. You're doing it for waiting for next year. It's a Cleveland sports blog, correct? Correct. We are waitingfornextyear.com, uh, based out of Cleveland. They will be celebrating fifteen years this year. Awesome. That's good to hear. So yeah, we're gonna go through this list and you know both lists and just look at some interesting choices because uh, the lists are relatively the same. It's just the placement of prospects is very different on both lists. Like there's some some prospects are a lot higher than I would have expected, and there's some that are also a lot lower than I would have expected. So I'll start with you. You know, what were your initial thoughts uh, looking at both BP and Baseball America's lists? They are largely. Same but different is such a weird way to describe it, because that's not even true in most cases. They have very high expectations over prospectus for a couple of different guys that BA doesn't even have ranked. Uh, like, I was just perusing the list before the show, and I noticed Spencer Jones of the Yankees is sitting at 57 of baseball prospectus, but isn't ranked with Baseball America, even though their top 100 podcast that broke it down talked about him significantly, the final... 20-ish minutes of the show, so like he's obviously a guy they're going to be monitoring when four or five of these guys graduate in the first couple months of the year, but yeah, like they have roughly the same pool of 65-ish to 70 players, but they're all over the place for where they've got them. Yeah, initially when I was looking at this, I was generally shocked uh, with baseball perspective how many Yankees were on here. Um, There's definitely a lot of I wouldn't say homerism towards the Yankees, but they definitely like Yankees prospects on this list. Um, Baseball America, um, the placement of a few prospects shocked me. And, you know, we'll get into that now. Um, You know, rankings that shocked us the most. You know, Ethan, what, what shocked you the most out of these two lists? So it's a pair of pitchers in Baseball America's list. And I know you're going to agree with me on the first one being a, a Philadelphia fan yourself, but. Uh, Andrew Painter sneaking in as the highest rated pitching prospect entering 2023 is certainly a shocker. Uh, I know Grayson Rodriguez dealt with some injuries last year that delayed his potential debut. I think a lot of people expected him later in the year, but he didn't get the innings under his belt that the team would have liked. So we'll have to wait for 2023 to see that. Uh, Yuri Perez at the Marlins is still lurking in the shadows right behind those guys, but putting Painter, I think they have him fifth. Yes. Um, yeah, fifth overall. Props to him for a fantastic season, but that one was definitely an eye-opener. Uh, and then the other one that I really like, if you're a true prospect nerd, you're definitely paying attention to what Arizona is doing because they're building something beautiful out there. The casual baseball fan might not be realizing it as much, but man, I really love what Brandon Thought did this year and to get the recognition that he did to land on this list, they're, they're going to be something. Yeah, I genuinely like what Arizona's doing. Um, they're going to have a really, really stinky good team in two years, you know, with how they're developing these players. I mean, you know, Corbin Carroll came up this year and looked incredible. Uh, I was a big fan of what he did. And, you know, the fact that he still has prospect ranking is kind of crazy to me because I thought he got enough games in uh, to be removed from it. Uh, the biggest shocker to me here is that Royce Lewis is still ranked as a prospect. And I don't understand it because I feel like we've been talking about this guy for like six years now. Wild to me. We were joking before we started recording. And, you know, I've got the way I broke it down. You know, I've got player I like. I've got player that shocked me. I've got biggest follower, biggest riser. And then both lists, I have a Y tier. And the Y tier on both lists is just Royce Lewis. That's it. 
Yeah. That's the whole tier. I, I will agree that Andrew Painter being ranked five on BA is is pretty crazy. Um I don't disagree with it, obviously. You know, that's probably my homerism coming out here, but I mean for a nineteen year old, what he did at double A this year was unbelievable. And you know, going into the upcoming season, he's probably there's a chance he could start in Philadelphia this year because that fifth spot in the rotation is still open. So there's a there's a chance he could start there. Yeah, I, I don't want anybody to gloss over what you just said, that Andrew Painter was disarming hitters as a 19-year-old in double A. Yeah. The, the, I mean, that's where major prospect writers will tell you that players will start to separate themselves. And yeah. you're a teenager dismantling the competition. Yeah, the Painter is a monster. I mean, Dombrowski has gone on record to compare him to Justin Verlander uh, when Verlander was coming up with the Tigers. I mean, I, that's a very fair comparison with what he's doing. Um, the other the other ranking that shocks me is how high both lists are on James Wood, uh, especially baseball perspectives, who has James Wood as the number three prospect in all of baseball over Francisco Alvarez, uh, Ellie De La Cruz, Corbin Carroll, Anthony Volt, Grayson Rodriguez. They have him over all these guys, and it's absolutely insane to me how high he is. Yeah, man, I... I don't even know what to do with that. Obviously, on the surface, you're talking about a guy with a 55 hit tool, 60 power, 55 speed. Like that—that's a three tool mix that makes him potentially one of the most dangerous offensive prospects in yes. all of baseball. But this is a guy who really kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, because I remember when the Soto trade happened, a lot of us were talking about who's James Wood. You know, why are the Nats getting this guy? And now seeing how he's rising up through that system, now it's like, oh man, James Wood might be really, really good. Yeah, he he felt like a guy that was more of like a lottery ticket tack on to to get the Soto deal like over the edge. But yeah, Matt, he's top twelve on both lists, yep. which is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's it's wild to me. Um, so it's just you know perusing through the list, you know, there's not a lot else that's really outrageous, you know. Definitely Spencer Jones being ranked is kind of crazy. Uh, you know, I don't think he's there yet, but, you know, there's definitely the chance for him to make that leap into the top 100. But, you know, I, I feel like that's just really, really high for him. Um, you know, but, you know, Kyle Muller, uh, baseball prospectus is still high on, um, which is wild to me because I don't think he's very good. But, you know, shout out to them, you know, I suppose. But, you know, it's honestly, George Valera on Baseball Prospectus also feels a little low to me. I, I figured you know, he'd be a little bit higher. Yeah, so we're going to play the Homer card for a minute here and talk about uh, the Guardians prospect because it's it's very night and day. Like, Gavin Williams at 26? Like, that's Gavin, crazy yeah. to me. So they've got Espino and Williams are back-to-back -back on both lists. So in Baseball America, you've got Espino at 19, Gavin Williams at 20. In prospectus, you've got a Spino 25th, Williams at 26. So it seems like both lists, pretty consensus, feel those guys are top 25 borderline guys. Uh, a Spino is going to start sliding this year if he can't stay healthy. I know a lot of people are worried about injury history with him, but he missed a good chunk of last year, mostly just because the organization treated their top pitching prospect with kid gloves. And if you're a Cleveland fan, they did the exact same thing with Tristan McKenzie. He missed significant chunks of time 
during his stint in the minor leagues. And he, I mean, he made the major leagues with less than 30 starts under his belt and has been absolutely fine. So if they believe in the talent of Spino, then I'm not really worried about last year, but I would love to see him throw 100 innings this year. The major differences for me, though, is that Baseball America put seven Guardians in their top 100. Fangraphs did their top 50 Guardians prospects earlier this week, and based on the rankings, they're probably going to land five to seven. Six is probably the sweet spot on that list when Fangraphs finally does their top 100. Baseball Prospectus only gave the Guardians four, and they eliminated Brian Rocchio, who is their top middle infield prospect, catcher Bo Naylor, and then this one is debatable for me because I'm actually kind of shocked that he made Baseball Americas. But left-handed pitcher Logan Allen, no, not that one, the other one, did not make Baseball Prospectuses, but did slide in at 86 on Baseball Americas, which is very strange for me. He had a, a rock star debut in 2021 and then really struggled between AA and AAA in 2022, but still worked his way into the top 100 list somehow. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy to me. And like... I, I am shocked that Bo Naylor did not make one of those lists because I, I'm a big Bo Naylor fan. I think he's going to be very, very good. Um, uh, you know, I'm kind of surprised he didn't get ranked there. Uh, also kind of surprised here that they're, they're ranking uh, Senga as a prospect on Baseball America. Yeah, that feels like cheating. Yeah. Some of the, the, you know, these are men who have years of experience playing at the highest level in their countries coming stateside. I get there's going to be a learning curve and that they technically qualify, but yeah, that that just kind of feels like a low blow to me. I believe they also ranked Yoshida on here, too. He is. He's down is towards the bottom, if I believe. insane to me that they're, they're ranking these guys, because, I mean, they've been pitching for a long time, so... But, like, I understood when they ranked Shohei, because Shohei was younger when he yeah. came over. But, you know, Senga, uh, it feels weird to rank him here. I also don't know how much faith anybody had in the two-way player thing working out with Shohei when he came stateside. I think there were still a lot of people that believed he was going to have to pick one or the other. Yes. But the yeah. intrigue definitely was worth putting him on those lists. But yeah, Senga feels interesting to talk about in a prospect list, because isn't he... He's pushing 30, is he not? I believe he's like 28, 29. That's what I thought. I forget his exact age, but, you know, definitely too old to be a prospect to me. Uh, same thing with Yoshida, who's also approaching 30. I actually think he is in his 30s. They're on that Chris Chris, uh, Chris Wanky and Stetson Bennett program. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, you know, looking at these rankings, you know, what are some rankings that seem too high to you and too low to you? And you already touched on one. I think James Wood at three on Prospectus is such an interesting one. Yes. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to say it's too high or too low to have him at 11 on Baseball America. I think I just need to see more this year before I'm really willing to throw that one out there. Uh, but a guy that is really too low across the board, and actually I don't even think he's ranked on Baseball America, but they have him 88th on Prospectus, uh, Cubs first baseman Matt Mervis, who... I don't understand why this dude is not getting the love that he rightfully deserves. The man is an absolute monstrosity with bat in his hands. He's going to play first base for the Cubs this year. He's got respectable strikeout rates. He can draw walks. I mean, the guy's a pretty complete package. I'm not really sure why nobody else is talking about him and why he's sliding unless there's just something glaringly wrong with him that's going to make the wheels fall off at the major league level. 
Yeah, that's definitely an interesting one. Um, you know, I'm looking at you know Baseball America right now. Um, Logan Ohapi at 42 feels pretty high to me. Um, you know, he's he's got the good offensive potential and really solid arm uh, for a catcher, but I, I think that's too high for him. I don't think he's going to be you know that good of a catcher. You know, looking through here as far as too low, the big one that stands out to me on Baseball America and baseball prospectus is Zach Bean. I think Zach Bean is way too low. Um, I am a huge, huge Zach Bean fan. Um, like he, he, he has impressed me coming up through the Rocky system and, you know, baseball America has him at 51, uh, which feels insanely low to me. And, uh, baseball perspective has him at 34, which, you know, I would, I personally would have been in the top 20, um, definitely over Marco Luciano, who I think is too high. Uh, I've been on record as saying I am not a big Luciano fan. I, I, he hasn't really performed well at any level he's been at, you know, granted he's a young player, but I don't think, I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's that franchise shortstop. Everyone keeps thinking that he's going to be. Um, so definitely Zach Bean is far too low for me. Um, he, he should be a lot higher because I think when he comes up, he's going to be a fun player to watch for the Rockies, you know, especially him and Tovar coming up together. Bean's a fantastic name to pluck. I, I think Baseball America probably has it right with him in that 30 range. Um, there's a lot to love, man. He can hit the ball. The speed is absolutely incredible. The man has stolen almost 100 bases in 250 career games in the minors so far. He's just absolutely electric. I, I think having him in that mid-30 range is fair until we can see him consistently get that K rate down below 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he did. He spent the bulk of a season with AA last season, and it was 22.5%. You can work with that for a guy who stole 55 bases, right? Yeah. He, he drew 12.5% walk rate. That's That's good. The walk rate's there. You you can work with that for a guy who had a 386, 368 on base percentage and those stolen base numbers, that's great. But yeah, if you can get him in the consistently 18 to 22% strikeout range, then yeah, Veen's an absolute monster and probably should be a few spaces higher on the list come midseason, maybe later next year. Definitely. And another shocking one here, um, Andy Rodriguez at 23 um, for Baseball America. Um, and uh, baseball perspective has him here at 55. Um, you know, that's one I feel like could go either way. I do feel like um, BA has him a little too high. Um, you know, he's definitely looks like he's going to be a really good hitter in the majors, um, but I don't think he's a player that's going to stick at catcher long term. Um, you know, the Pirates have have a really fun farm system they're building here too. Um, I, I like a lot of what the Pirates are doing. You know, even though it might not seem that way, I think the Pirates are starting to get on the right track. I do feel Andy Rodriguez is a little too high right now. Um, and, you know, Henry Davis definitely struggled in the minors, but I think that prospect pedigree is still there that I'd have Davis a little higher over him. I think Davis actually rebounded better than people give him credit for. He missed time early with some wrist injuries that kind of compounded and slowed things down. And towards the end of the season, he was really starting to show the guy that he is. I think baseball prospectus having him at 46 is much better than baseball America having him down in the seventies. And I love that in 
without having seen him play, they already have Tamar Johnson as well, ranked on both of these lists, who was yes. taken first overall by the Pirates in the 2022 draft, regarded as having the best hit tool without question of any player in the draft. So they're going to have a couple of fun ones working their way through the low minors together. Yeah, when I, which this gets us into our next you know, little uh, discussion here is you know who we think will rise the highest. I think Tamar Johnson is going to be a top 10 prospect by the end of the year. Uh, I I think he's going to absolutely tear up the minors. He he's very very impressive. You know another player that I could see you know rising up. Uh, I think Jason Dominguez. You know this is the the homer take, but I think Dominguez is going to rise up again out of the the lower 50s, 60s range and get back into the top 30. Uh, he looked really good as he was going up, and you know I think he's going to start to really put it together this year at Double A. Yeah, I like those picks, and I'm having a really hard time looking at these lists not to put my homer cap on. <laughs> and I'm I'm trying to decide if I want to do the the off the beaten path one or if I want to say the obvious one. Why don't I do both? I think come midseason, Daniel Espino is going to be the top ranked pitching prospect in all of baseball, and it's just a matter of him staying healthy, going six innings a game. The man has some of the most disgusting stuff on the planet, and if he can command it, it is. DeGrom levels of impossible at times. He throws a 97-99 mile-an-hour fastball. He has a wipeout slider. He is darn near untouchable at times in the minor leagues. If he can stay on the mound, if he can pitch 100 innings, I wouldn't be shocked to see him in Cleveland's bullpen late in the season. Uh, the other one that I'm going to throw out there, and this is going to be my biggest riser because he's not ranked on either of his lists right now, but I imagine he's in that group of the next 30 that they're watching. Cleveland's first-round pick in 2022, outfielder Chase DeLauter. I think a lot of people are sleeping on him because he missed the last half of his college season with a foot injury, and he didn't end up debuting this year. But he's one of those guys with, like Joe Wood, a great hit tool, good power, great speed. He's regarded as a good defender in the outfield. I don't know if he'll stick in center, but he's probably a very, very safe bet as a future right fielder with the organization. He has all of the tools and has showcased the ability. He tore up the Cape Cod League in this league in his first experience with a wooden bat in the season that he played out there. I think a lot of people are just sleeping on DeLauder. That's that's an interesting pick. Um, another player that, that I failed to mention is new Twins shortstop prospect Jose Salas. Um, I was surprised that Miami gave him up in that Pablo Lopez trade. Uh, I mean, that Pablo Lopez trade just doesn't make sense to me as is for the Marlins. But I think he's going to get to Minnesota and get in their their development system. And I think he's going to really start to rise up that system. I think the Lopez trade could be its own podcast because that is, that it, is equal levels of head scratching. Very interesting trade. Like, I, I'm glad the Twins got their player. And, you know, I know Luis, um, he's very happy that the Twins got Lopez. And and everything they got in that trade, but man, you know, I don't know what the Marlins are doing there. Every time I think they're making a step forward, yeah, I, they take uh, a step back. Obviously, we're we're a Cleveland block, so we we pay close attention to the division, and that trade to us, like, yeah, Salas is nice in a couple of years. That's going to be nice value, but I think at the end of the day, it's it, it might hurt the Twins this year. Just because Arias is one of the peskiest players in the league, and you just eliminated the guy who struck struck out the least from your lineup, the AL batting champ, 
for a number three on probably any serious pitching staff, but Lopez is probably their one or two. So it's just, it's a bizarre move all around. It's definitely interesting, but it does open the way for, you know, a prospect on this list, Royce Lewis, to have full playing time now, because I imagine he'll start playing second base for the Twins. You would almost have to, right? You bring back Correa to Yeah, you know, you got Correa there long term, and, you know, third base. You know, I don't know who they have at third base. Is Miguel Sano still around? I don't know what's happened to Miguel Sano, I'm going to be honest. And, you know, as we get into our next segment here and you know players who we think will fall the hardest miguel sano is a player that you know i hate fell so hard because when sano was a prospect i thought he was going to be the next big power hitter in baseball and you know a lot of scouts were comparing him to miguel cabrera and that he he would be just a really solid player consistent mvp candidate and you know he's a player that fell hard um, so I'm going to start with you. What are some players on this list that you think will fall hard? This is always the worst question, because as a baseball fan, I never want to root for any of these guys to fail. And I, I was listening to the Baseball America podcast, and I heard them put it this way, that it was a very average top 100 list that they'd assembled this year. And, okay, take that for what you will, obviously. If they'd been able to keep Adley Rutschman on here, I think that bumps it up to above average. But yeah. the Orioles still have a lot of great prospects at the top. Gunnar Henderson, obviously, at number one. You're still sitting on Deal Hall, who's in the lower levels. You still yeah. have Grayson Rodriguez. But if I had to really pick anyone, it's probably going to be Hunter Brown for the Astros. I just, I'm not sold on it, man. He's got some really good stuff, and he's shown some numbers. I just have this weird feeling like the control is going to fall off. The wheels are just going to fall off the bus, and he's not going to be able to locate, and it's going to be his Achilles heel. And you can work with that as a back end of the rotation guy. He's got a good enough fastball slider combo. Maybe you move him into the bullpen. But I just really don't think, I think B.A. has him in the 30s. Baseball, B.A. has him at 28. I think Prospectus has him in the 30s. I just think... Come later this year, he's not going to be there. And then same thing, looking one spot below, Tristan Casas with the Red Sox. I'm not sold on him either. And, and obviously the Red Sox aren't either. They want after Abreu for whatever that's worth. There, There's just a lot there that I'm not ready to say that Casas is there to make the next step for the Red Sox. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. I'm, I'm not sold on Casas either. Um Hunter Brown's an interesting one. I I like Hunter Brown. I'm a big fan of Hunter Brown. I think Hunter Brown's going to be a nice fill-in uh, in that rotation with Verlander gone. Not that he's going to be Verlander-level player, but you know, I think he's a solid three, four starter. Um, he, he's he's got good stuff. I, I I don't really see him falling off. Um, you know, my Picks are, you know, number one, I think this is going to be the year where people finally realize that Marco Luciano is extremely overrated, and he finally just falls off. Um, Pete Crow Armstrong is another guy that I don't buy into, and I think he's going to fall to the lower 50s. Uh, so 
50s, 60s, 70s range, I think he's going to fall to. Colson Montgomery also feels a little too high for me. I think he's going to be a guy that we see fall. Um, you know, as far as guys that are going to be in the majors this year, I'm going to be honest, and it hurts to say this, I don't know how I feel about Oswald Peraza. Uh, he was good in AAA, but I don't, I don't see him being the answer there at third base or short wherever he plays. You know, as uh, Volpe comes up, uh, and then uh, another guy uh, who's likely going to pitch AAA uh, and then possibly in the majors this year, Griff McGarry from Philadelphia. You know, he's got good stuff. But I don't think he's going to be able to locate and, you know, I don't know if he'll make the majors or, you know, just not pitch well enough at AAA that he just falls off this list. You know, I'm not completely sold on him. Yeah, I I came across another name I want to throw out there, too, because I'm going to be completely honest. I have no idea how he's still on either of these lists. But Tyler Soderstrom with the Oakland Athletics. Yes, that's that's that one, one is. That one's reaching its point of no return of how can you guys justify keeping him on here, especially since they've got Langoliers up now, and he's looking like the catcher of the future in Oakland, or at least for the next three seasons until Atlanta wants to give them a bunch of garbage for him back. But it's it's reaching an interesting point, and I, I don't think even sliding him to first base is really going to, to salvage it there. He just hasn't shown me enough, and I think he's 26, 27 now in AAA. Like he's reaching sports for the minors, which is so weird. Yeah, he's 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 a good one. Uh, another name I saw here, Cade Cavalli, Washington. I I don't buy into him. I don't think he's that good either. I think he's going to be a guy that falls off this list. And I'm going to be honest, Michael Bush with the Dodgers too. Um, I I don't buy into him. And you know, he's either uh, like you don't have a spot for him in the majors. First off. Like, yeah, you could trade him, but I don't see him being a good major leaguer. So he's That's a guy that I've got falling. Uh, but speaking of being a major leaguer, let's talk about who we think the biggest major league con- contributors are going to be. Uh, now, obviously, we've got Gunnar Henderson, you know, Jordan Walker, guys like that, guys that we know are probably going to be in the majors this year. You know, Henderson, who's obviously probably going to start in the majors this year. Um, but, you know, what are some players that you think will make big contributions in the majors this year. So I'm going to put the Homer hat on first. And I think Bo Naylor, who did not make BPs, but is BAs. Uh, he's in the back 50 somewhere on that list. I think he's in the sixties. Uh, I, I think Bo Naylor is going to have a really strong year. Uh, he is very unheralded with, with a bat in his hands. Uh, he had a 2020 season in the minors for a catcher, 20 homers, 20 steals. His defense is undervalued. You know, he's, he's obviously going to have to take some time this season uh, with Mike Zunino in front of him to, to learn the intricacies of receiving, how to frame, how to call a game, knowing your pitchers, knowing the lineup, all that stuff, you know. But that, that comes with a 22-year-old learning one of the most difficult positions in baseball. I really think that he has the potential, even if he plays 100 games because there's no guarantees and, you know, stays healthy. If he's a two-war player, that's a smash success in my mind. So I think he's really going to have the opportunity, Who's uh, unless the Guardians out of nowhere sign a backup catcher, he is going to be the opening day backup to Zunino. I do not see Brian Lavastida winning that job out of spring training again. But I think he's really going to be one that's going to contribute. Uh, another one, 
I'm not going to be shocked when after the All-Star break, Jackson Chorio comes up for the Brewers and they make a push and Chorio puts up disgusting numbers, pushing that team kicking and screaming to 90 wins and somehow the NL Central title because the, the Central Divisions in baseball are, cannot stop tripping over themselves. That's an interesting one. I I feel like it's too soon for Chorio to come up, but then again, you know, Chorio has been compared to uh, Acuna. A lot. So I could see, you know, Acuna came up young. I, I could see that. I could definitely see him coming up. Link um, Painter, he'd already reached double A as a teenager. Yep. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's in short order for a promotion to triple A if he beats the cover off the ball in April and the start of the minor league season. It just would not shock me if they do it. I, I know Milwaukee small market team, service time manipulation, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, I mean... If he forces the organization's hand, he forces the organization's hand because he's probably a generational talent. Oh, 100%. I, I would agree. You know, I feel like if Gunnar Henderson wasn't on these lists, Churio would be the number one prospect in baseball. And I won't be surprised if, if he doesn't come up this year, he's the number one prospect next year. He's that good. Yeah, he is He is right there. Um, for me, so obviously, you know, I, I'm going to say this now. Mark it down. You know, book it. Andrew Painter is Philadelphia's number five starter come the end of April. Uh, he's that good. He's going to have three really good starts for the Iron Pigs. And Bailey Falter will falter, to say the least, uh, with Philly in the first start of the year. And Dombrowski's going to say, all right, let's bring the kid up, see what he can do. And I think Andrew Painter's going to come up, and he's going to dominate. Um Another player, Yuri Perez. I think Yuri Perez is going to start the season in the Marlins rotation. Um, I think the Marlins are going to pull a Jose Fernandez with him and have him open the year in their rotation. Um, because, you know, Perez, I've, I've compared Perez to Fernandez before. He's that type of prospect with the Marlins. Young, dominated at double A, and I think he's going to come up and pitch really well. Uh, for the Marlins this year, um, you know, I was, I think Grayson Rodriguez he'll be a really good contributor this year. Um, but you know, looking through the list, Miguel Vargas. You know, I'm surprised Miguel Vargas still has prospect status. I think Miguel Vargas is going to be a fantastic starting third baseman for the Dodgers this year. Uh, I think Miguel Vargas is a very good player. He's got a lot of good potential, and I wouldn't be surprised if he tears it up and earns an all-star nod. Um, so Miguel Vargas is going to be my guy to go with that, that, that makes a big contribution for the Dodgers. The Dodgers aren't going to miss Justin Turner with Miguel Vargas at third base. No, they definitely aren't. And I'm going to throw one more out there because this guy has been a thorn in the back of my mind because I just know that he's going to come up and be a guardian killer. but. White Sox outfielder Oscar Colas, who's yes. at the bottom of most of these lists, might actually come up and make an impact because Lord knows the White Sox outfield cannot stay healthy. And he is the thing that is right underneath the surface for them. Obviously, he only played one year, but he made it all the way to AAA. And I think the team is very high on him and higher than probably most of this li these lists will end up having him. So I am a big fan of Oscar Colas. Um, you know, for those that don't know, um, you know, Ethan and I, we do a thing called franchise draft uh, every year. You know, it's where, you know, us and 
28 other people. Um, we we have a list of baseball. All baseball players in the world have been thrown in the one draft pool, and you can draft them to your team, and basically it's a an exercise that you're building for 10 years out. So your team will be based off the next 10 years of production of those players. For every three years that I have done franchise draft, I have taken Oscar Colas in each one because, you know, I am a big fan of him. And, you know, that is, that's a really good pick. Yeah, he's he's not the flashiest player, but the numbers, I think, are really going to pop. And he's going to be an absolute menace, especially in the Central Division that is just victimized by itself, frankly. that that, that You only need one player to really drive the blood nuts. I, I mean, the White Sox signed Elvis Andrews, who yes. notoriously has slayed Cleveland in his entire career, to the point where he was talking some trash towards the end of the year, saying the Guardians were going to collapse. But that's that's a story for another day. You can catch that on Waiting for Next Year's uh, Top 10 Cleveland Sports Moments of the Year podcast <laughs> that he released a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, it's it's one of those things, man, where everybody just has one guy that slays everyone. Stephen Kwan slays the slays the Royals. I, I don't know what it is. He just hates that blue color and that fountain, apparently. You've got Elvis Andrews, who killed the Guardians. The Guardians cannot avoid Riley Green. It, it's just always something. Yeah, we have, we have, the Phillies have Kyle Schwarber, who's a massive Mets killer. You know, it's always a good time when Schwarber plays the Mets because uh, he tortures them. So, you know, as we start to wrap things up here, um, you know, give me, you know, we talked about the Diamondbacks and how good their farm system, but what's a farm system that you're really excited about uh, over the next few years? Now, that's a good one, because there's farm systems that I'm excited about and teams that have really good players, but I, I don't trust their player development program as far as I can throw them, right? right. The, the the Pirates fall into the ladder. I love a lot of the guys that they had. I love a lot of the guys that they had two, three years ago, but their player development program has just left them by the wayside right like quinn priester you don't hear his name anymore yeah. at all uh obviously we're uh in the majors what why am i blanking mitch keller who yep. rebounded a little bit last year he found some extra velocity he had a sinker he might be like a viable three four starter now but they, there were talks of him being homeless before he really found that and he was supposed to be one of those top guys if there's an organization out there that I really, really love what they're doing and they're not getting enough credit, it's the Mariners. Because not only are they built to win right now, but they have a lot of talent below the surface in double A and low A that when some of these names start falling off and leaving in free agency or maybe not being effective anymore, they're going to be able to replace those bodies internally with some really good talent. And that's a sign of a healthy organization. Yeah, we, we have a joke about Felon Celestin and how he's going to be a top player in baseball, and he's in that Mariner system now. He's going to be an interesting one to watch rise in that system over the next few years. Henry Ford is a name I'm watching out there that's incredibly fun. I mean, they just have so much quality talent, and, and obviously I, I'm the I'm the Cade Marlowe guy who's going to be their fourth outfielder to start the year. I think there's a lot to like there too, but he's still just going to be a fourth outfielder with some plus power. But yeah, I, I mean, Harry Ford with Seattle, the catcher, they're scouting and crushing the international market right now. And that's really going to be able to be something that's going to sustain them going forward. Yeah, that's definitely a very good pick. So for me, I got to go with the Texas Rangers. I like what the Rangers are doing, not only at the major league level with the players they're bringing in, 
but they've got a really solid minor league system that they're starting to build up. You know, Evan Carter uh, looks like he's going to be an absolute beast. Uh, now, these two pitchers weren't ranked, but Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, I think, are being slept on. You know, Leiter had a rough year in A, and, you know, Rocker, you know, everything around him. But there is, there's pedigree there for these two. And I think they're going to really, really rebound this year and really start to get that Texas farm system back on the map again. Um, you know, you've also got Josh Jung there, uh, who I think will probably start in the majors this year. Uh, Owen White, another guy that um, uh, Baseball uh, America has ranked at number 66. Uh, it's just a fun farm system that Texas has. And there's a lot, lot of potential for this team to really do well. Um, another team that I really like is the Rockies. I think the Rockies are doing a decent job at building this farm system. Now, granted, it is the Rockies. They're not necessarily the best, but I think the Rockies are really going to have a, a fun farm they build over the next few years and you know get a lot of these hitters up there and get back to doing what they do best, and that's hit nukes and nothing else. Because that's what we love at Coors. We love the nukes. That is a fair point. I, I do very much enjoy both of those picks. Unfortunately for me, I was not willing to stick my neck out on that one because both of those organizations fall in my ladder of I love the players you have. I don't trust you guys to do anything with them. And the fact that Lighter has already fallen out of top 100 lists after one year in Texas alarms me. But, yeah, I really want to like what they're doing, but especially their struggles with pitching development internally. There's just so much that makes me want to pump the brakes with the Rangers. And the Rockies are just absolutely inept. They're my National League team. I love them to death. But they're very much like... Patrick and his pet rock at the snail race. Just, <laughs> you do you, Rocky. You you take your time, right? And I'll I'll be there to cheer you on, even though I know how this ends. Yeah, I know. Then you know we've also got the Guardians. I love what the Guardians have been doing. Um, Toronto has been interesting. You know, Rays always seem to have a good farm system. They just you know they shoot out like two war players like it's nothing. Two, three, four war players like it's nothing. You know, them and the Dodgers are like. Professional R and D for baseball, essentially. Yeah, with that's how a very good call out. Um, So that's going to wrap this up here. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, Ethan? I just want to say thank you for having me. Uh, it's going to be an absolutely bonkers year, and I think even Baseball America, who is some of the best minds in baseball, are going to be surprised when this average top one hundred list. A lot of them are going to tear the cover off the ball this year, and it's going to be a very, very fun prospect year. It's definitely going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, you know, how obviously my Phillies prospects do and, you know, Yankees prospects and all them. It's going to be fun. Uh, I definitely am going to enjoy watching that Diamondbacks farm system. Uh, I'm, I'm so sold on that team and, and what they're doing out there. They're going to be fun. Uh, so, Ethan, thank you for joining me. It was a blast. Um, and we will kick it over uh, to Luis for the outro. Thank you, everyone. Well, that about wraps things up. Thanks for listening to Rain Delay Radio. Rain Delay Radio is executive produced by me, Lewis. I also co-hosted our intro and edited our Top 100 segment. 
Nime is our normal editor who co-hosted our intro and also edited it. Pat was our host for the Top 100 segment. Special thanks to Ethan for joining us for that as well. Our theme music was composed by Chuck Leese. Rain Delay Radio broadcasts every Monday morning before the rooster crows, so be sure to subscribe, and we will see you next week.